0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the game is about glory. My name is Steph, and joining me are Ricky and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hi, Steph. Evening, Steph. Great how are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, yeah. hanging in. Uh,
1: uh, as good as can be expected oh, under the circumstances.
0: In. Yeah, as um, as uh, as Python said. I've just woken the cat up with that. Um, anyway. <laughs> We will be taking a look back at what just happened between uh, our mighty Spurs and that small club from Fulham, a.k.a. Chelsea, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium earlier today. Uh, we will also take this opportunity to ponder what we think is currently the best starting eleven Nuno Espirito Santos could pick, being from Nuno Espirito Santos's perspective. And we will be starting with a quick look back at the week that just was. However, before we get into some of the stuff that's gone on this past week, let's serve up that little icebreaker, That tidbit of inside info that brings us a little closer to you, that embarrassing moment where you confess you once danced to Duran Duran at school disco, Milo told me that last week. It's our opening question this week. Sticking with that school thing, chaps, I'd like to know who your worst teacher at secondary school was, what they taught, and why you disliked them so much. Ricky, kick things off.
2: Oh, uh, Mr. Bradley, he was a CDT teacher, which I think in old terms is woodwork and metalwork. And he was just a real horrible person. I know that's kind of, you know, a bit of a blanket statement, but he was condescending. He'd put people down. Do you know in that, I don't know, just in that, like a teacher. In other words, he'd never inspire you to do anything. Most teachers, if they're good ones, should inspire you to do something. He was just a nasty piece of work. Yeah,
0: yeah well, that's. Uh, I, I'm sure we could all... Uh identify with that and uh let's see how much milo can identify with that
1: um i'm gonna give all my teachers a pass i mean i wasn't um the most studious of students so um what? I, I, really? I, I, yeah I, I enjoyed school and <laughs> but i can't i didn't really put in the the full efforts um so i kind of feel a bit sorry for my teachers having to teach me because it wasn't really until i left school that i kind of had kind of developed my interest in things and kind of read that i was interested in learning for pleasure rather than when i was forced to um so was quite difficult for me to pick a teacher but so the the one that sticks in my mind and, and and he was a bad teacher rather than someone i disliked was i had a music teacher and I can understand why he felt like he did. Basically, he wasn't really interested in, in teaching kids who weren't interested in music. So what he would do is he'd put on a video and then fuck off to another room and play piano with someone who was good at music and left the rest of us to watch 40 Towers or uh, Monty Python or uh, you know Blackadder or something else. So I had several years of him teaching me music where I didn't touch an instrument at all and just watched classic comedy. So um, yeah, Cyril, I, uh, he was called, and yeah, I don't dislike him at all. Uh, but he wasn't a very good teacher.
0: <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, one might almost say, having heard what you just said, nice one, Cyril. So, yeah. so no, n- none of your teachers were wankers then. There wasn't one that I'm, you just looked well, at. Well, I'm, like, sure, oh, I'm sure there were, but I don't, I
1: don't really, I don't.
0: Don't tell me you don't
1: operate on that basis. I don't know. I just don't begrudge any of them because I was a shitty student. So you know, oh, first, dearie fair. me.
0: That's unbelievable. He's found a way to answer this question that leaves me unable to criticize his inability to answer it in a direct fashion because he's actually just being a gentleman. How does he do it? (laughs) How does he manage to do this to us, Ricky? My word. I can't believe he's done it again. Well, I'm just going to say that uh, I thought that that, 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 that several teachers were tossers, uh, actually. Our school and uh, Mr. Cope probably takes the biggest one. He had a face like a bullfrog. He had the most unbelievably uh, alarming syrup on the top of his head, which someone once knocked off. I remember during break to reveal a dome. It was uh, it was it was brill- a brilliant moment, and he was just a complete grump. He was just one of these people who I think thought that he was. you know, if you're being hard, was it tough love they call it or something? I've never fully understood that phrase, especially when you're a teacher. But anyway, he was a tosspot, and so there we are. <laughs> um so let's move to the week that was uh and you know we do our notes uh as I think you're all aware at this point we we have a lot of preparation as to what we're going to talk about uh and then something comes uh out of the blue um so to speak uh and this and Jimmy Greaves's passing was that I mean obviously I think everybody knew that Jimmy was not in good health but nonetheless you know to hear that he had passed away in the early hours of uh Sunday morning at the age of 81 was was a real shock. Uh it is, f- you know, it does seem fitting that it would happen on the day that we played Chelsea. It was the club where he started his career and I think it's fair to say, you know, along with us, he played some of his best football there too. And and look, the word legend is, is overused, but Jimmy Greaves is a legend. It's not an overused adjective, it's a fact. He was quite simply one of the greatest British players of all time. Definitely one of the great greatest strikers ever in football. One of the best players to ever play for, for our wonderful club. He holds the record for the most goals in the English top flight with 357 goals in 500 14 appearances and he's our record goal scorer with 266 goals in 379 appearances. He's England's fourth highest all-time scorer with 44 goals in 57 appearances and I think we would all agree um, it was such a tragedy uh, that he did not get to play the World Cup final and of course there's, you know, there's many reasons for that but it's tragic. One of the greatest goal scorers England's ever had in the squad of the time of the era and didn't actually get to play the final. He's actually England's fourth highest all-time scorer with 44 goals in 57 appearances. Uh, I think, uh, you know, let's just say he probably (laughs) could be considered to have said the best thing about his own uh, goal-scoring nous. Uh, The following quote, which you will probably have heard at least a dozen times by the time I repeat it here. I had a goal drought once, said Jimmy. Worst fifteen minutes of my career. That was, chaps. Add to what I've said if you can. I mean, we're all in the same
1: boat. You know, I'm I'm too young to remember him playing. Uh, you know, for, for 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 me, Jimmy Greaves was someone that I watched on Saturday mornings on Saint and Greavesy, and um, and I loved that. Um, but looking at him as a footballer and as a goal scorer, his record of top-flight goals, um. I was reading earlier on today that it's only been bettered by Ronaldo in all the time since then, in all of the kind of the top five European leagues uh, as, a, as a top flight goal scoring record, which is remarkable. So, you know, when we talk about him as a goal scorer, he really was amongst the very best that there have ever been. And if he was playing now, he would be. Yeah, <laughs> serious seriously seriously expensive player seriously expensive player
2: yeah i mean i agree i mean I obviously i'm 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 too young to watch greasy and i used to see him on television. he was such a lovely bloke he had such a lovely way about him and i'll be honest this morning i was um because you read the tributes and stuff like that you get a little bit tearful about these things And it's weird how when someone passes sometimes that that kind of creeps up on you and it just goes to show how much they must have resonated with you in this because you know they're they're tottenham hotspur just like we are and um you know, and his le- his legacy resonates all across White Hot Lane and always has done. And, um you know, in modern parlance, he'd be called the goat, really. He is the greatest of all time. And oh, it just was really sad. And as I say, so many people have got nice things to say about him. And um I hope... I hope we remember him, and I hope we do have a statue at the new White Hart Lane.
0: Yeah, and one thing to note as well, you know, you always hear people bang on about, well, you know, the game is much quicker now, and the game is this, and the game is that. I'd like to remind people that, you know, Jimmy Greaves was playing on pitches that, you know, were like bogs half the time, and with a, a ball that was literally the weight of a medicine ball sometimes, and he was touching it around uh, keepers and defenders in tight spaces uh, like it was a beach ball. You're talking about someone who had brilliant touch Uh, with, you know, some of the worst equipment that you could possibly be working Mm. with. Uh, So we can't have that. And, you know, I have to say one other thing as well. I I always felt when I listened to Jimmy Greaves speaking, um, whether it be on St. Greavesy or any interviews he did, that the sheer honesty... And and just relatability of the man was enormous. And uh, his autobiography was one of the first footballer autobiographies I ever read as a kid. And I must have read it six or seven times. It really stuck with me. It stuck with me because, you know, he could have been just falling over himself all the time. But instead, of course, he was talking about, you know, some of the very, very well-known problems that he had, which we don't need to get into here. But it was the humility that really struck me. And, you know, reading how upset he was over that World Cup final, I think that's why Mm. I, I brought that up earlier. It just really stuck with me. And so, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, uh, somewhere he found peace with that. I really hope he did. Um, but, you know, regardless of all that, I agree. He should have a statue. And uh, and Jimmy Greaves, uh, like every f- genuine Spurs uh, and England supporter, like every genuine football supporter, we at The Game Is About Glory salute you and thank you for everything you did for us and for football. Um, yeah. So having said that, let's, you know, now let carry on with the week that was uh, the stuff that we'd written up. Uh, Brian Hill has been included in the 40-man shortlist, the Golden Boy Award. The Golden Boy is an award given by sports journalists to the best young player in Europe for the calendar year. Previous winners have included Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe, Paul Pogba, Lionel Messi and the absolute best of the bunch by a country mile, the mighty, the incredible, the super legendary Raphael van der Vaart. Chaps... What do we think about Young Brian's chances here?
2: Um, I don't know the rest of the list, Um, but um, uh, I don't. I I don't know. That's irrelevant. I'm not sure. This is a
0: Tottenham. This is a Tottenham podcast, and you're just going to say that he is the best young footballer in the world.
2: Yeah. What I should be doing is asking you for where I go to vote and repeatedly do it for the rest of the week. (laughs) What I've got to do is it. I think that's, that's normally
1: what we do. Don't ask it, me that votes, because I mean. we
0: don't have that in our notes, actually. So if you do, oh, we're just going to reveal that we've actually done a bit of it. Uh, we've, we've been caught short here.
1: It's, it's chosen by sports journos, isn't it? So I think you need to get yourself a job at The Athletic and then start voting there. Oh, okay.
2: I'll do that in the next okay. week.
1: Yeah. So
0: well, I mean let's approach this let's approach this from a rock and roll angle, chaps. Do we think that Brian Hill's general sort of seventies kinda of like, you know, surfer kind of alternative shoegazer vibe, like do we think that gives him an extra edge over anyone else that's out there anyway? It
2: should do. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving
1: the look. Like it was, it, it was your luck until a, until a wedding a few months ago. It was actually. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. It was. Wasn't well,
2: it? I do like to set trends, but yeah, it was brilliant. Unintentional trends. Absolutely I think. brilliant.
0: Literally 48 hours before we signed him, you had dispensed with that hair. It was unbelievable timing. It was,
1: yeah, terrible. It's a shame yeah. we never signed Balotelli, isn't it? I would love to see <laughs> what happened with <laughs> Ricky's hair then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i think i think that what we're concluding what i'm concluding from this is that you know it's 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 nice to see uh it's nice to see brian hill nominated in the 40-man shortlist for the golden boy award but we're, we're not quite sure how prestigious it is we're not quite sure whether he's going to win or not but he was nominated he's our guy and brian hill for the win right yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, something did actually happen last week. uh It was on Thursday, and it saw us play our first group game in the Proletariat Champions League against Wren. Let's get straight to it, Milo. What did you think? It was a tough game, wasn't it? Two two draw away from
1: home. They're third favourites for the whole competition uh, behind us and Roma, and an away draw in your toughest group game, I think, is normally you'd say was a was a good result i think people are underestimating this competition a little bit and some of and our opponents as a result of it because it's a new competition and obviously it's the third tier european competition it's not quite where we want to be but it, it's where we are but you know as we were saying just before we came on the pod they're in the champions league last year they were in the Europa league the couple of seasons before that they're no pushovers and and they showed that it was um it was a tough game it was a very physical game i was quite worried about some of our players i mean obviously we picked up injuries to burghers Gwynn and mora which uh, certainly didn't help us today and uh, I was a little worried about uh, about Kane and others as well the the tackles were really flying in the ref didn't really have a grip of it and uh, but yeah, it was a good result.
0: Yeah, Ricky uh, again, and, and again, sorry everyone I, I completely, sort of playing a little bit of a loose game here at the beginning aren't I? I didn't even set it up to remind everyone that it was a 2-2 draw away from home, we went ahead, uh, Ren equalised, Ren went ahead and then we equalised, so uh, just to state the order of scoring there, so sorry uh, uh, I framed that for us now uh, Ricky?
2: Yeah, I think I think they gave us too much respect at the start, which was actually quite good for us because it let us settle into the game a bit and then as some teams do against us, they had like that kind of realisation moment, they they thought, hmm, maybe this lot aren't... You know, if we actually attack them, maybe they're not quite as good as, as we think they are because they must, you know, they must think that we're a quality team. But so there was a patch in the middle <laughs> of the game you, you, before you half-time. Said that,
0: you said that with a slight hint of a question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, so before half-time and after half-time, we didn't have... It wasn't the best for us. Uh, and we got two bits of luck for the goals, two deflections. So that was, that was decent. So we can't complain there. And then, of course, like um, Milo said... Uh, I mean, we had to be careful because I think the old, uh, the old ankle Grim Reaper was in mm. town, wasn't he? So, um, uh, so we thought maybe he's liking the look of Kane's ankle. So we get him off and I was actually a bit upset that Mark and Day yeah, didn't come on really for a Mora. I thought we could have given him a run out there more so than just see what, um, Amazon can do there. But yeah, it was a good game. It was insane game. The crowd were great. The ground there is mm. great
0: and it was a great atmosphere for something that's meant to be such an underrated tournament. Yeah. I mean, Milo, let's touch a little bit on this underrated tournament stuff. I mean, uh, to me, that felt like a Champions League group game.
1: Well, certainly a Europa group game. It was... A really really competitive game it was it was difficult well up until we scored the first goal I thought we, we looked quite comfortable as, as Ricky was saying they were they were standing off us uh, off us a bit and giving us um giving us some space um but our goal certainly woke them up and they and after that it, it, we really had a battle on our hands
0: I wanted to ask you because you've been you've been quite an observer of this and uh I specifically wanted to ask you what you thought no no I've, I've uh, and and I say that with with a. Uh, with full respect, because I mean, you've called Gallini early doors as being susceptible to, to shots that go low to his left, mm. um, and 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 sure enough, I mean, to me, that first that that first that equaliser was was a great finish. But the more I looked at it, the more I thought, hmm, you know, he's got a point. Teams are going to aim for that spot, and they are going to go for that. And uh, so, talk about that a bit, if you would.
1: Yeah, so I said so before he joined, I was um, doing a bit of research. Or when he joined, I did a bit of research on him and um, and look you know looked at his data and what have you, and it was pretty clear that um, he was a bit susceptible from shots from distance but I think it's notable that um, all three goals he's conceded for us so far in in the conference have all been shots to his left hand side and all all low shots you know it might be coincidence um, and I think certainly the first one on Thursday uh, he was late to see it There was a man in front of him so yeah probably not the easiest yeah maybe he's just a bit a bit (laughs) bit slow to get down there uh, the goal he conceded away to Passos he showed them that part of the goal and they picked it out. And it just worries me a bit. I'm sure it's something we'll yep. be working on in training.
0: Yeah. Ricky, did anyone impress you on the night? Did anyone make a claim that you think, well, you know, this chap should really be getting his chance in the starting 11? So this is, this is not the Doherty section, you no? Know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, uh, oh boy.
2: Nice to see M Dumbbell back. He needs minutes, and he's being reintegrated. I don't know, really. Uh... Well, Brian Hill was fairly decent, wasn't he? I yeah. thought Hill had a. Yeah, really... Hill was fairly. Easy. I know we had to have a change around in midfield there, so. Um...
1: I think it's worth touching on Brian as Delhi's understudy, because I think when he signed, I was thinking of him as being one of the front three. Uh, last season in Spain, he he mainly played as a left winger. Or on the left of a front three, and I, yeah, I was kind of expecting him to play, you know, either be his son's understudy or we try and develop him to play on the right of a front three, so he could cut in and get shots away. To see him start playing in central midfield um, in Europe um, has been a bit of a surprise, but actually, I think he's been very good. His passing is is excellent. He's got a lovely range of passing, and as a player who makes you know, those runs forward, so if you think about Delhi in that kind of hybrid uh, eight-stroke ten position, it's, it, I think it, it, it's a good fit for um for brian's abilities to start their start play and then to make those runs forward and and get in behind the forwards it's a really interesting option and if we're being honest as someone to start play he's not as gritty as delhi he probably can't cover the same yards he can't do maybe not as niggly as delhi but as a playmaker he's a better player and it's an interesting option. And it'll be interesting to see whether that's where he develops and ends up playing as the season progresses, rather than where I thought he was going to be playing when we, when we signed him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And right now I would agree with that. I think that's a, that's a very fair analysis. I think just the the final thing I want to, I want to say about this game and I want to put this to you, if I may, um, I felt I had to explain this comment to someone, which I thought was uh, in itself rather odd. I had referred in uh, one of the forums that we uh, all contribute to. I'd referred to the result, in my opinion, as a brave performance. And someone got into it and was like, well, you know, was it? Why didn't we go for it? Why didn't we put Delhi on? Why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? You could say that, you know, bra- and that wasn't the bravery I was talking about. What I was talking about was you're, you go 2-1 down, away from home in Europe, the stadium is rocking, you've t- picked up more injuries, yet we still dug in and mm. we still got a point. That's the sort of bravery I was talking about. Do you agree with me? Do you think it was brave a brave point in the end of it?
2: Oh, I do, absolutely. As you said earlier, it's, um, I mean, Ren... no pushovers and that will be our hardest game in the group and during the game once again we're dealing with adversity with both Berguin and Mouras going off so we have a massive rejig going on there as long as you know and and Nuno has to deal with that in game regardless of what it then means further down the road and I think Hoiberg came on and that he I mean the good thing with Hoiberg, he does look to come on and try and get hold mm. of everything and try and advise everyone, try and direct people. So I think that helped. But of course, you're making formation or personnel changes during a game. You can't really complain when you then still come back from being 2-1 down because most teams might crumble and suffer facing not only conceding goals, but, you know, the adversity that happened during the game yeah. as well. So they played them.
1: I think that's right. So Bergman came off for Hoybier on 30 minutes. So that's not really where you want to be rejigging things and Undembele switched sides and... He'll move move forward as we were saying. I I thought Undembele um had less impact on the game when he switched sides. So once he was in the deli position where he's getting forwards, he was doing uh, he was making less passes. So I thought uh, Undembele's best period of the game was the first thirty minutes, and he faded a bit after that. So, you know, force change there and then, you know, get to half time and then Lucas is off within 10 minutes of the game restarting. So we never really got any rhythm going there. We never really got a chance to, to play what we were planning to do or what had been talked about. Yeah, really tough. Uh, Nuna can't buy a break at the moment. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll come back to this uh, when we talk about the next game. But, um, yeah, just so unlucky. So unlucky at the moment.
2: I was just going to say, the other thing you have to realise is that that defensive triangle is like Tanganga, Rodan and Mm. Skip. And they're like really Mm. young kids. So you still have to think of the environment they're in there. And, um, you know, it's hostile. It was a hostile place, not not like Galatasaray or somewhere like that, but um, but still, we still went two one down, and we kind of, you know, we kind of have to rely on those players. They are the players we are relying on. So and I think play. one
1: positive, and say back to your comment, Steph, about it being a brave performance. Quite often in Europe, we've seen us go away to teams and underestimate them. Well, actually, not even go away. We've done it at home as well. Um, yeah, I th- think all, all we have got to do is just, you know, pass it around and we'll win, and no one has to break a sweat. And I don't think it was that type of performance. I think um i thought we started quite well i thought we were playing well um the move for the goal the opening goal was really good and we were on it and then events changed that and ran up their game so yeah, it's, it wasn't a complacent Spurs performance where we're underestimating our opponents. I thought I thought we played quite well, and Wren are a decent side. They're going to do well in this tournament.
0: Yeah, it was no Dinamo Zagreb, was it? No. I mean, that's the point. And I think that, you know, really, and we're going to be getting into this in the next section of the show as well, you know, this is something that our supporters currently, uh, I believe, have to get a grip on. You know, there is actually, seems to be, I mean, I, I don't know about the, 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 the ankle Grim Reaper, I think. There's just a general grim reaper floating around, and I think that we're getting a, a, a whole, um, you know, shed ton of bad luck mm. uh, right now. And, and again, at that final whistle on Thursday, I actually thought, "Wow, we've got out of this really well." You know, yeah. again, just to, to recap for people, you know, we did go ahead with that great move, as you say, Kane put one uh, beautiful ball around the corner for It was lovely, and uh, and 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 you know, we I think we earned that luck, we earned that deflection. You know, then Ren equalized with th- that goal. They go ahead, and then you know. Hoy OBS in there to to finish. So 2-2, we leave there and then we all start realising that, oh, we've actually got out of the point. We've picked up, you know, another couple of injuries. Mm. uh, And this is before one of, traditionally on the calendar, our biggest home games of the season, one of our biggest London derbies. (laughs) a massive game in context of the season and once again we're wondering who's going to be fit on Friday. I mean I, I joked about it being a roots maneuver uh, uh you know pre-match witness to fitness but that's what it was. Mm. You know and so you know and so then yes we are now at the stage of the, the pod where we're going to talk about the game against Chelsea at uh the new Tottenham Hotspur stadium today. Um uh, I'll, I'll get in there early and say the result was a, it was a 3-0 defeat in the end of it. We'll get into the context of that and before we get into any comments on the game uh, let's note that we uh you know as ever trying to do the right thing i think and trying to be part of uh positive solutions as opposed to negative outcomes we uh engaged in what was billed the world's first net zero carbon football match i i think the concept of a net zero carbon football match is is, is possibly fanciful um but as an objective we've got to start somewhere you mm-hmm. know so for you know fans were encouraged to leave their cars at home and eat plant-based food inside the stadium. Um, I I, I remember thinking to myself, how many Chelsea supporters are going to eat a veggie burger? I was going to guess six in total. Um, And, you know, again, we should also note that, you know, both teams are wearing kits that this season Nike have been making from a load of old trash, uh, specifically recycled plastic bottles. And, uh, you know, again, all jokes aside, I think it's a great initiative. And I think it's, you know, really good that we are trying to be part of a positive solution as opposed to to you know, carrying on with things mm. that are going to be uh, negative outcomes. Do we agree with that uh, that take on this? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, um, I was reading up on this earlier on today, and evidently the club doesn't send any waste to landfill normally. Considering you've got you know 60 odd thousand people in a stadium and they're eating fast food and drinking beer and what have you is is pretty impressive you know if you think about it you know you can't take much into the stadium so pretty much everything in there is uh you know very disposable isn't it um in terms of you know kind of reference and 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 also we're trying you know the club are trying to get people there for for longer and spend more money in the gra- yeah. in the ground or what have you so the, the amount of waste that's created on on a match that must be huge so to, to do that um yeah it's some achievement. I was thinking about on the kind of the net carbon thing, though. I'm not sure whether we managed to offset flying players from South America to Croatia and then from Croatia to uh, to London for this game. This probably right. probably doesn't count.
0: <laughs> the inconsistencies are everywhere, but of course, again, again, you have to start somewhere. I mean, you're right, but you have to start somewhere.
1: Fair's fair. If we look at the lot down the road, they've done a lot more to reduce their air miles over the last couple of seasons than we have.
0: Uh, an excellent point. And uh, on that note, <laughs> uh, a moment's appreciation for Arsenal's commitment to uh, not engaging in European travel this season thank you very much (laughs) well done to all the people at the Emirates Stadium and Arsenal Football Club well well said Milo and I love that I love that warmth and and, and a spirit and and, and, you know neighbourly appreciation I think it's very important Um, uh-huh. but you know I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was gonna joke about I mean I, 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 I'll toss some of these lines out you know you know did we see a sustainable future on the pitch actually that's yours Milo um, <laughs> or was our midfield recycling the ball into the wrong bin that one's mine uh, and were the very shirts and our players backs the only bottle they displayed I mean you know before the game I thought oh, this would be funny we'll have a good little laugh and everything but now I look at the game in hindsight and I hear about our fans' reactions on social media, and I hear about the Twitter sphere things I haven't engaged in, and I probably won't engage in much this weekend. I, I just—I've I, got to start this discussion and bring you all in. On I, I'm feeling very defensive, and and again, if you're listening to this pod to hear us just take the piss out of people and bash the team, and bash Nuno, and bash the club, and bash leaving, bash everything. Switch off, go away. You're not going to enjoy the next twenty minutes. There's no point. So disengage. Bye bye. We're not for you. Because I think that there has to be a level of patience with what's going on. And I think there has to be a level of acceptance. What we're talking about from Thursday absolutely relates to today. Two more injuries. Two players that would have offered us an outlet off the bench. Two players that would have offered us a little more zip and spark, perhaps, when we really needed it. Guys, come in on this point. Everyone is looking at doom and gloom. Is this a reminder that we need to be patient?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the point I was going to make. It's exactly the point I was going to make. I think a lot of people are going to judge this game on the result and you know certainly the second half was disappointing but i think we've got to look at this longer term and you know i, I mentioned earlier on he's, he's had absolutely rotten luck and you think you know the south american players you know and he'd returned you know their only training session was yesterday so it was saturday um sun and Dyer only retired returned to training on friday um we lost jaffet you know for a red card last week we lost Mora and bergwin on thursday um yeah there's quite a lot that's you know, if he, if he had those players available and they have been training together, we might have seen that it was different. I thought, you know, the team selection he made was really positive. It was probably the best 11 players that he had available that he started. It's also noticeable that we're still building match fitness. You know, Ndombele and, and Harry Kane haven't had a pre-season. I, I, I was thinking back to something that Gareth said in the pod back in in August when we were talking about Harry Kane and, and the transfer saga, and he was saying that there's going to come a point uh, after a few games where where Harry Kane looks like he's he's running through cement, and people are going to start saying he's not interested, and they're going to forget that that's what he's like at the start of every season. And I think that's what we're seeing at the moment. He's just trying to get himself up to fitness. It always takes him a while. You know, if you think back to the that people used to talk about the August goal drought and he you know he hasn't scored in August. Well, this is Harry Kane's August. And I'm sure that once we get through the other end of this and he's match fit, that'll change.
2: Um, Yeah, I agree with what you say, Steph, really. I think uh, Nuno's been here since July the 1st, and... I mean, right well not right from the office, he's obviously had to deal with certain things he's had to deal with. I mean, when he first came, he was probably told, right, these players won't be available to you, i.e. Sissoko, Aurier, yeah, they want to leave. Toby definitely wants to leave, so don't include them. Then uh, our most valuable player gets told he wants to leave. Then our uh, record trine- signing transfer, he-, he gets told, well, he wants to leave now as well. So I think... And with so many people on international duty, he knows these going to, they're going to come back in drips and traps as well. So I think what he's done initially is got a nucleus of 12, 13, 14 mm-hmm. players that he knows that I can have you every day and you're going to be here. That's how I'm going to start the season. And of course, it started off well for him because of that, maybe, because he thought, I can just play a certain way, at least get through these games. Even if it's not the most attractive, we're at the start of a cycle... And we're at the start of a cycle where new people are going to be coming off the merry-go-round and joining into the group, joining into the group. But of course, when he then probably thought that was going to happen, he's then had the South American problem. He's had the international break. as I mean, I'm just referencing all things Milo reference there, really. Basically, more injuries, more injuries, Jaffet suspended, then Bourbon and more gone down.
0: I don't think you can over-reference it. And I'm glad that we started the discussion about the game with this because it is actually the most salient point of, of the entire 95 minutes that was played today and we you know we'll get into this in a second because we will look at the proverbial game of two halves and we'll start with the mm-hmm. first half we'll get into the second but everything we're saying I think needs to be at the front foot of any comment on this game Our fans need to remember this.
2: Yeah, that's the why we're saying it. I think because it seems some people construct their thoughts without a care of any of this that we're saying, and we're not making. I mean, I had I had sympathy the year um, Mourinho lost Son Mm. and Kane because it just made you think, well, that's that's a massive kind of hassle for him. So, but I just can't understand. It seems such a week to week thing, like a week in football now almost
0: seems like what used to be two months. I mean, I personally am sick and tired of the of, of these. Oh, I'm whinging now, but <laughs> so maybe I'm sick and tired of myself whinging. But my whinging is more qualified than anyone else's whinging uh, other than yours. We're we top whingers, and everyone else is, you know, wanky whingers. And the wanky whingers I'm talking about are the same people who thought, you know, get rid of Podge; he's not working. Get rid of Podge, and now they want to get rid of somebody else. You know, it, it's just inconsistent. Mm. It's like we need to understand where we are. First and foremost. And we will get into this again in the game. Thomas Tuchel's bench today was magnificent. Ours was not. And that's just the way it is. You can complain about it all you want, but this is what Nuno's dealing with.
1: I think that's a really good point, Steph. If you look at the two sides today, so Chelsea could bring on Kante and uh, Werner. We brought on Skip and Hill. Now, nothing against Skip and Hill, but they're kids. They're kids. They're in development. But, you know, that's that's the difference today. And I think, um, you know, if we had. Uh, Bergwin or Mora. I mean, realistically, if they're fit, one of them probably would have started in front of La Celso. But in which case, you're bringing on La Celso for and Dembele rather than Skip, which changes that slightly. Mm. And it means that you're, you're probably bringing on... Um, whichever of Mora and Bergwin didn't start for Sun or Kane, depending on who was fading more and, you know, don't look at yeah, But, oh. you know, those are the kind of options we Quite. would have had. And, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that means we're going to win the game because actually it was two really stupid mistakes that cost us. Um, and neither of those substitutions would have uh, cancelled out those stupid mistakes, but it would have given us more of a chance.
2: People need to remember as well is it's like it's, Nuno's got no history with this group either, so he's like he's pretty fresh in. So it's not like he's got last year that he he knows the squad inside out, so he knows what tweaks or whatever to make. He's in a learning curve here that he keeps getting interfered with by just cards getting blown off the table. I mean, some of the I mean it's it's almost like he can only play the hand he's dealt and some of the cards are mm. some of the cards are face up and he knows what he's got some are face down he doesn't even know what's underneath him And some cards get blown off the table by a side wind and a bloody headwind and all this kind of thing it's just like yeah. it's it's Quite. it's a juggling it's a spinning plates act for him without having too many kind of
0: analogies metaphors whatever and so let's look at the actual game proper itself rather the generalities around it which again i think was very important to lead with uh, in light of some of the absurd Wind from social media, given, as you just said, Ricky, you know, he's on a learning curve with these players and this team. And given, as Milo said earlier, that the first 11 that he put out, he's probably only had that 11 on the pitch for one training session since he got there, Mm. you know, in, in, in earnest. I think if you were to apply that information to the first half, you would have to say that we probably exceeded expectation with that first half, because we were lively, we were aggressive on the press, we were uh, uh, really uh, doing an excellent job of making sure that that ball did not get inside to Lukaku early so he could play it back out around the corner and, and, and take the space behind. I mean, we, we really frustrated Chelsea and, uh, you know, we're getting in there ourselves and creating more and more pressure on their goal. Uh, I, I, I thought it was an excellent first half in, in context of everything that we've just been talking about. What did you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought... Um, I mean, we said in the week that we, we... I mean, from what we've seen before and we saw of the City game, we thought that would be the way we played. So, like, fair play, we didn't play that way. He actually had another tactic and he, it was a bit of a curveball for the tactic maestro Tuchel. I mean, he wasn't sure how to necessarily mm-hmm. deal with it from the odds because we just went three against three at their back on their back line and I think maybe that's why Kane started left because he, he kind of looked at the matchups and thought well let's play the fast fast guy's son against the old guy and maybe Kane can bully the kind of weaker guy so maybe that's why those two had switched around mm-hmm. I mean but um, it's a fair play we weren't playing what we thought what we all thought so at least that shows some expansive thinking from Nuno and he may be played that way as well because I think that as, as Milo said um the best 11 players played and that was a good start in 11. Mm-hmm. There were all plenty of talent on the field there I was really kind of quite we look strong we look talented all of the players have got ability but of course they're still just a group of players at the moment they're not necessarily being knocked into any kind of shape because Nuno's not had no time with them and he's had not much much training ground time with them
1: either. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, before kickoff, I was kind of speculating on you know whether it was going to be a 4-4-2 with a diamond or um you know was it a 4-3-3 but if it was 4-3-3 who was where was Delhi playing in the front three or was it going to be Lacello or was it you know there were so many different permutations it was really difficult to pick out what we were going to do. So I think from that point of view we, you know we learned a little bit about Nuno today. I I think the opening selection he, he got right. Um, but he's got a problem there in that there's a load of players there. You know, I've, I've spoken about fitness already, but you've got a load of players there who can only last an hour, and probably two of them stayed on for the full ninety minutes. A bit like we saw on Thursday when Ndembélé came off, a lot of our um, creativity went off with him. Um, so you know there are issues there. But I think one thing that we probably ought to touch on is that I think Sun was a, a little unlucky not to get a penalty in the first half. Um, Alonso. Pulled him back when he was thrown goal he you know he he, um, he ran into the keeper but I think maybe he was a little too honest there I think when he felt the contact if he'd gone down he at least makes the referee have to think about it and I, I know this is um something we, we frequently say um, when we have these kind of incidents that we discuss but I think if it was a Chelsea player they definitely would have gone down
0: Yeah. And uh, you made a point earlier uh, with regards to a question I asked, which was, you know, this is in our uh, WhatsApp chat group as the game goes on. And I was sort of like, you know, bloody hell, you know, what's it going to take for VAR to operate? And you reminded me that...
1: Uh... everyone was bitching about it last season so that the Premier League watered it down. <laughs> so if you were moaning about Varlay last season, it's your fault. You've got what you asked for.
0: <laughs> Again, I think a very fair point. I think you actually are being a little more polite than uh, what you said. I think you said all <laughs> the real football <laughs> men like, when he went on about, oh, Varlay's that," and, uh, and here we are. Yeah, proper, f-
1: proper <laughs> football men. It's all their fault.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Proper <laughs> football men. So, you know, we go into the break uh, feeling, you know, I think fairly good about things, fairly competitive. I think, again, this is a moment where all of us, the three of us, and I think everyone listening needs to remember that we are supporters. We are fans. We're looking at it purely on the basis of the 47 minutes or so we saw in that first half. Um, It had gone a little flat the last 20 minutes. It had slowed Mm. down. I think that maybe the warning signs were there that this was a team that had played together once on a Friday and were coming from various corners of, 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 of the continent to form... A really great team on paper, but one that, you know, is really not, hasn't had much cohesion. Uh, and, and as we've all said, fitness, health, lots of other stuff going on, early doors in the football calendar, um, lots of misfortune. I I feel that I missed the warning signs for that. I really do. Because Tuchel didn't. He took one look. He saw the one player that he had. Well, he's got several players on his bench. Too, but he saw the one player that could make a difference. Boy, oh boy. Uh, I've got to say, I thought the second half was... Uh, as much about N'Golo Kente taking control of the football match as it was us really hitting a wall of fatigue and not having the, the the weapons on the bench that Thomas Tuchel had. And I think, again, you have to give Thomas Tuchel immense credit for making the right mm. substitution at the right time.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, uh, Mounted had a very quiet first half. He'd barely been involved, had he? So uh, from that point of view, it was a reasonably easy decision. Kante um, made it far harder for us to press and gave them uh, more options in midfield. Um, but in terms of changing the game... I think it was two stupid mistakes from us that changed the game. Take those mistakes out of it and it stays nil-nil. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how that half plays out, but we gifted them two goals and mm. Chelsea are one of the best sides in the world right now. You know, you can't afford to do that. Because I mean, considering how we were in the first half, I was a little disappointed
2: that, considering we've had a 15-minute rest at time, that we didn't come out and at least show quite a good bit of energy right at the start of the half. I mean, obviously, within five minutes, um, uh, Chelsea had scored their mm. first goal. And I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think... I mean, the comments... Gary Neville, was it Gary Neville today? Mm. I mean, he was going on about it quite a bit, saying how much it had kind of changed in that. But I thought, as soon as that first goal went in and the second game, I don't necessarily think they were in massive control, but I think what it definitely did was the spirit drained out of us a bit, I think, especially after the second goal. And because you can watch lots of other games and you think, get one goal back in it and 2-1 and then we get a grandstand finish and it just never looked like that was going to happen, to be honest.
1: I was looking at the XG earlier on and the XG for... The two halves. So for the first half, uh, we had 0.6 XG. Chelsea had 0.5. After it went to 2-0, from that point onwards, it's 0.1 for us. 1.3 for Chelsea.
0: I think that that speaks to a, a bigger issue. I mean, I must admit, I, I disagree slightly with both of you a little bit. I thought when, as soon as Chelsea came out, they forced about three corners in a row. And I thought it was very clear that Kante was not going to let us push as far up the pitch as we were. Mm-hmm. And I do feel he is one of the very rare footballers in in the world who can control the tempo of a game. He controls it. Uh, and we're all playing to his tune. I mean, he's a, he's, he's in the form of his life. I mean, it just seems whenever I watch this guy play, which obviously is not often, not a Chelsea supporter, He is just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, uh, tempo maker and creator and I think this is where the lack of creativity that we currently have really hurts us because I think when we go one down against a team like Chelsea with the players they have we, are, we find it very very hard to create but then we go to the injuries and no more, no Bergwijn right? and the
1: fitness so our most creative players yeah. were fading after the hour so at the point we needed yeah. them they didn't have anything left in their legs and we didn't have anything on the bench to change yeah. that the only two attacking players we have on the bench today were Hill and Scarlett and I thought yep. Hill did quite well when he came on, but that wasn't a yes. game to bring Scarlett on in. You know, no, he, no. he, he, he no. it just wasn't that. So we had we had he had no options there. I mean,
2: there's been plenty of evidence this year that it's quite hard to make inroads into mm. Chelsea. I mean, they are a good side. I mean, oh, they don't give you much. At we've all, all said so, they're
0: going to win the title. I mean, we called it. I uh, yeah. mean, yeah. def- I mean, the strength and depth. And again, I will give you know, I'm one of the people who moans about it, and I moan about Chelsea spending money, and I moan about you know managers who get everything they want, and so on and so forth. But there is a whole other side to that argument, which is you have to manage that squad, you have to manage those egos, and you have to manage that talent. And I think Tuchel's done. Uh, uh, you know, hats off to the guy. I think the guy's done a phenomenal job.
1: Compared them now to where they were a year ago, so he only came yeah. in. Uh, you know, halfway through the season last year and they were a mess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's outstanding.
2: I think there is a lot to be said for that because I think in our chat Gareth was saying look how we've fallen off and stuff like that but your, your manager counts for loads. They were going nowhere with <laughs> Lampard the same as Arsenal going nowhere with Arteta and you could then argue we went nowhere with Mourinho you see so they're fellow
0: years aren't they? He was the guy that he was the only guy that could have made the difference. I thought after the difference maker and for whatever, well, we won't go, we won't do it to death, but let's just all agree that, you know, it's easy to throw the money thing and say Chelsea has spent all this money and so and so forth. Yes, they have, but you have to manage that bench and you have to manage that squad, and he has done a fantastic job. So hats off to him. 100%. And I think also this is a massive reminder for our supporters. I feel that right now, and I really feel the second half of this game is a fulcrum point of this, a, a defining point, if you will. I'll bring up Pochettino. Pochettino said we were going to have to suffer, yeah? And I think that it revolved. I always felt it revolved around the Christian Eriksen conundrum, which was basically the Christian Erikson was the central point of everything that we created in his time. I think he saw that Christian Erikson was not going to be at the club forever. And I think that the warning bells were sounded then that's where we are now. So we can all complain about lack of creativity. Even I'm complaining about it, you know, a little bit, but we have to accept this is where we are because we had five years of that mm. and we are in a new era and we are not going to have a Christian Eriksen. We are reliant on other ways of creativity. And as you said, Milo, if those avenues are hurt or tired or, you know, this, this horrible like conundrum where it's all of it at once and the manager's got a dark cloud over the dressing room in terms of injuries and fatigue, this is what we're going to have to suffer.
1: I'm going to do it again. I did I did this when we were talking about Ren and started picking, up, picking off the next uh, item we're going to discuss. I'm going to do this again now, but picking off the next Go item it. we're going to discuss. I think that the selection today was brave. I think most of us were surprised when we saw it, and I think um, in the league at least he's got to be he's got to give this a chance now and try and play uh, this or very similar. I, I would be bringing in one of Mora or Bergwin for Lo Celso, I think. But other than that, I, I think this is a settled side. He needs to stick with this. We need to see it get get a run of you know six games or so like that and see where we are at the other end of that. Th- these players need to get used to each other. And yeah, and then we can actually judge where we are. Amen. Absolutely right. Nailed on. We've taken a 3-0 hammering from one of the best teams in the world, but actually equipped ourselves pretty well for half of that game. If we we can play this side... Um and you know into November. Let's see where we are then. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, Agree.
0: Yeah. And once
2: and we'll take the. I was going to say and we'll take the positive today because I mean we. I mean it could have easily been a sit back game, try and attack, counter attack, and then we got nowhere. But let's take the positive. The first forty five minutes we gave Chelsea a real good game.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: And, and as you say, whether we run out of legs, whether we've done whatever, so be it. But there is a positive forty five minutes there, and it's a mm. step forward.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to go on the front foot here again and talk to people who might be listening who are like, oh my, well, I can't believe you accepting this, accepting that. Accepting, you know, bollocks, not accepting anything, it's reality. This is where we are. And if we want to support the club, we support them. And if you want to see the circumstances and the context behind situations, that's what needs to happen now. Because for all the top of the league we were last season in November, we were never trying to be as adventurous as we did with the selection today. And I completely agree with you, Milo. We need to give this manager the chance, and we need to give this squad the chance to get fit. And to have not just a run of games together, how about a run of fucking training sessions together where they're not having to either go and, you know, to bloody wherever, where did they go, Croatia to to train or whatever. We were joking last week about having to send fullbacks to be cohesive with centre-backs. And, I mean, you know, this is not the way to prepare for these games and for the biggest, you know, league in the world. So, you know, again, if you're one of the moaners, check it and look at the context by the way, that being said, how good was Romero today?
1: Yeah, nice game, didn't he? He did. It
0: was good. And all the fears that we had that he was going to, like, go steaming through people like the 5.15 to Manchester (laughs) didn't do any of it, did he? He was aggressive. Uh, He even uh, showed some of the uh, instincts that you were talking about in an earlier chat this week of really wanting to get forward. And you said you were hoping, Milo, that, uh, you know, that Nuno would develop that. I mean, if he gets to have more than one day with him on a training pitch before the next international fucking call-up, then maybe it'll happen.
1: You know, I'd say, I mean, if there's any team that I want Romero to go steaming through people, it's Chelsea's. so you know, one part of me is disappointed. But um... <laughs> I thought he did. I thought he eyed a couple
2: up today, but didn't actually go through with it. I didn't. No, see maybe one. he was
1: just yeah getting the size of them, thinking uh, yeah Battle of the Bridge too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess that really we should probably just round this off. I mean, you know, it's. We've got, I think we've gone a little all over the place with this one, but I think it's been a very positive Aww. discussion. I think it's been very important. It feels like it's, the game is about Glory's responsibility to stop the fan rot. I mean, it really does. I mean, it just feels that way. It's been Building and building. And so I'm glad that we were able to do that. Uh, you know, in closing, let's just uh, have a, a positive and a negative thought. Um, I'll say in 30 seconds, because that's what we write here. You, We all know that it will never be in 30 seconds. Do the best you can, though. 3-2-1, Milo.
1: Uh, the positive was Nuno's team selection. It was a really good one. And, you know, and was positive. Um, the negative <laughs> is two really stupid mistakes cost us. That was the 30 seconds. It's you who can't stick to it, Steph. (laughs) Um, My positive
2: is um, it doesn't look like we've had any injuries today, so we can roll on to next week with... um hopefully uh, some training session where more and more people are involved. Um, one of the negative is actually is we've got a fantastic stadium there and I just think occasionally it'd be good if we could kind of just kind of get a bit of a kind of long-winded blue my mm. army going or something just to try and maybe motivate the players because it's, it's a real cathedral there and phew, it look quiet today
1: to me. Careful. I don't you're, know if careful, on the hands.
0: Careful you're getting into Basil Faulty's territory there. He was having a good old uh, flap about that, wasn't he, earlier in the week.
1: Didn't sound like the City game though, did it? When we play City, it was absolutely deafening
0: well yeah I can understand how Chelsea killed the team spirit, but sometimes you just hope the fans would like rise above it yeah so uh, the positive was the team selection, the intent, the attitude and the endeavour of the first half. The negative was how all of the uh, injuries and and you know this ridiculous international situation conspired to, I think, basically knacker us in the second half and put the kibosh on it. And I believe that's me at 15 seconds. So I now am going to take 15 seconds of silence to bring us up to the 30 and show that I can stay. I'm
1: just top. amazed that you managed to do it with only picking one of each. Normally you give yourself a, a couple of extra free, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, the only reason I did that was because you told me that that's usually what I do. So now we can see how this pattern (laughs) is going to unfold for the rest of the season, can't we? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well... As Monty Python said, we do always look on the bright side of life. And following on from the discussion about sides and 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 you know what our best selection is and what our best selection is, and we thought it would be fun to get into what Nuno's perfect Spurs side would be. We're going to try and get into Nuno's head and work out what we think will be his favoured lineup from the current squad once everyone is fit and our South American players don't spend three weeks every four on international duty. And I just want to emphasize what we're about to discuss is not necessarily the game is about glory's preference in team selection matters it is us that also means you ricky and you milo it's the three of us pretending we are tall suave zen beardy and portuguese with a beautifully knitted black hoodie and the christened name of nuno Espirito santos in fact for the next 20 minutes listeners pretend that we are nuno albeit you'll have to stretch because you will not be trying cheesy Nuno accents. First of all lads we should probably have a quick chat about formations Nuno favour playing three at the back for most of his time at Wolves before moving to a back four in his last season uh, Spurs has predominantly played a 4-3-3 apart from uh, that back three in the first leg against Pajos have I mispronounced that? I think it's Passos Passos well I wouldn't be a pod if I didn't butcher some name um, and the 4-3-2-1 diamond we played against Palace last weekend I did get that right how well does a back three suit the current Spurs squad? is it something we think Nuno might try more regularly and who would likely miss? Out if we were to switch from a back three, lads. Milo, why don't you kick us off?
1: I, I should just give a little mention to my Twitter friend Simon, who I spend far too much time uh, arguing with the merits or or, or not of uh, of a back three. He's a, a back three. Well, he said propagandist. I think he's an evangelist for for a back three. We've discussed this quite a lot, and um yesterday we were talking about the possibility of a of a three four three. So effectively. Um, if we take the lineup kind of prior to, well, prior to Palace, where we had the Delhi, Hoybier, and Skip midfield, if you take Skip out of that and replace them with Romero, so you've got a back three of Sanchez, Romero, and Dyer. Romero for Atalanta was playing in the centre, but getting forwards a lot. So, spending a lot of time in midfield positions. And I think that 3 4 3 then looks quite similar to Nuno's. 4-3-3 but maybe with an upgrade in the player at the base of, of that midfield or kind of most advanced from defense so I, I think that's something that would be quite interesting to see um I could also see a 3 2 actually with um Sun and Kane at the uh, at the tip and a three-man midfield and um that might be a way of getting the holy trinity of um Hoybier, LeCelso and and, and, and and Bele or you know, take La Celso out there and drop Deli in there. That might be a way of doing it as well. Be interesting. But from, from both of those formations, we need to see a lot more from our full backs. They need to be getting out forward and they need to be creating.
0: But remember, we've not seen Nuno do... Uh, have we seen Nuno play that uh, uh
1: three, 5 2 Yeah, he has done that before. Yeah, yeah. I'm just throwing that out there as ways that we might be able to line up as the back three. I do think it gives us a problem because uh, in that... Unless you're playing a front three, the forwards we've got don't really fit it. So, so Mora and Bergwin aren't particularly suited to playing in a front two.
2: I was just going to say, I'm quite a fan of. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, in the current setup, I'd be quite a fan of. Um back three I mean if you're taking it as back three and definitely wing backs then I think the problem you overcome from what you're saying is you're either playing a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2 and depending who's injured or who's out and that kind of thing in other words the three in the wing backs are always that system then the other ones can be worked out to accommodate who you say who who you've got and who you haven't got whether that's you want three up front or whether you want because I think You could pay three, three, four, one, two. In other words, you've just got that one person, which could be Delhi behind the front two. It just depends who miss out. The other thing with having three centre-halves is someone else is going to be missing further up the pitch, isn't it?
0: But again, in my position as Nuno right now, I'm telling you that I'm not interested in any of those other formations. The two that interest me that we're talking about are three, four, three, is interesting to me because it still gives us the chance to be compact and compete. I'd like to compete.
1: We will be prepared to compete. I thought you said no cheesy accents. I thought you said we weren't going to do that.
0: That's not. That's not. That's that's <laughs> compete. I'm not being. I'm not being. I didn't do a cheesy accent. That was just me. Kind of. That was the tone that he <laughs> with, Right? Compete. He likes that. Compete. So I could do it. Anyway. Um. But and I also like the fact that with a with a, a three four three, I, I'm able to um I'm able to keep the lines quite tight. So I can keep the connections with you know, uh, the players aren't getting too distant from each other, and we can push push as a unit and defend as a unit and all that. So, but I still think, um, I still think, boys that. I, I think four three three for me. I,
1: I mean, I think the thing about it is that he spent he spent all the preseason playing four three three. That's been his preferred formation in the league, unless it's been forced away, uh, forced uh, for unless he's been forced to change. So I think it would feel that a lot of that preseason was wasted if he moved away from that. Now,
2: I mean, as you, I mean, as we said before, it's early days. But um, I mean, I think like you said before, Milo, he wants our fullbacks to get forward, but of course, that's only ever going to happen when we yeah. then feel kind of secure and safe enough because you'd think with wing-backs they might be able to get forward more because three centre-halves but not necessarily I mean all I mean when we were super secure with uh, Toby and uh, Jan, uh Rose and Walker march up and down the wing all day long just yeah. as Liverpool do basically I mean they don't play over three so I think you just need to get if that's going to be your tactic you need to get to that stage where um, you know, you're know you powerful and secure enough where I you do just, think
1: you know, it's all, it, it suits or it fits all of our full-backs apart from Davis doesn't it really so, Cessignon and yeah. uh, and um, Reggie, I think uh, Royal and uh, your favourite Dirty would all be better off playing as wing-backs. I think for our younger centre-halves, I think Rodon and uh, Tenango would uh, benefit from playing in a back three because there's a little bit more cover and protection there yeah. so i think there are options there i think it's it, it's it's an interesting uh, an interesting option
0: so let's get into team selection uh we're going to stick with the 4-3-3 because uh the collective new knows that we are have agreed that that is what we want to play uh and let's get right into it uh i mean most of these should be fairly binary choices i think right um goalkeeper it's hugo, hugo. It's yeah. Hugo. Okay, well, that was easy.
1: We can't afford the wear and tear of the left-hand side of our nets if we pick uh, Galini.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, they... Bless him. He's not bleaching his hair anymore. I've got a hair reference in. Okay, defence. Centre. You start in the centre, yeah? Let's start in the centre. Yes. Let's start with our centre-back partnership. Who is it? Milo, why don't you start? Why don't you pitch the suggestion and let's all see if we're a yay or a nay?
1: What started today? I'm going for Romero and Dyer. I'm a bit worried about uh no vocal leadership between Romero and Sanchez. There's a little bit of an experience there, although Sanchez has been here a while, he's still a bit green so I think Dyer and and Romero right now is our best best pairing. And that's tough on Sanchez because he has a good start to the season.
2: I agree with that, yeah. I mean, I, I mean there's nothing much to add apart from... I quite I, I want Romero to play because, like I said before, he does look quite a bit of fun. So I'd like to see a bit of that on the pitch. You know what I mean? Not in a bad way, just, you know, we need to be entertained as well and I think he will certainly do
0: that. It's a tough one for me. I think I, you know, Collective Nuno agrees with you. It is the centre-back partnership that's going to make sense for the rest of the season. But my word, I love Eric Dyer, and Eric Dyer loves me, but... I really do look forward to seeing Tanganga and Romero together in that central defence at some point uh, because the levels of uh, energy and aggression are going to be fantastic. But again, we can't live without Eric Dyer right now. Uh, There's no two ways about it. And I think
1: realistically that's a pairing... You're probably not going to see till next season, or possibly the season after that. I think. Yes. What we're looking at here, I think, is what our best side is, or best Nuno side is this year, and 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 Jack ja- Jaffetz a project, isn't he?
0: He is, and 16 games in at that. So I agree. That's a great central pairing. Uh Ricky, do you want to suggest our fullbacks?
2: Well, I think it's I mean it's gonna be a bit boring, isn't it? But I think it's today's two fullbacks. It's um, Royale and Reggie. Um I think Reggie's done a uh, Reggie's showing a bit better class defensively now. I know he's been asked to do a bit more defensive work and we'd like to see him get forward because he's proved that he's got a good cross on him. Uh Royale early showing looks good. He's obviously got he's got a great engine. He's um He's another front foot defender, which is good. I think in some games, obviously Jaffet might play when maybe it's a bit more defensive or a bit more of a tricky customer because he seems to deal well with them one on one situations. But um, yep. yeah, just the two boys at sight today.
0: Great. Okay. Uh, now we move on to probably the uh, probably the biggest conundrum of, of of our you know collective Nuno uh, selection uh, midfield, the midfield three. Ricky, why don't you start? by Suggesting who the three should be, and we'll all play off you. Well, um, I mean, if we're counting with what's
2: actually gone on this season already as evidence, I think delhi has got to play, Huebo's got to play, and now Tanguy's back into the fold. I think he would as well because I mean, people are crying out for creativity, and he does seem to be that man. The other options will have Mm -hmm. to wait their turn, I think. Um, I think Tanguy, I don't, I mean, he's come in with a blind You've come in with a blind did. I I just don't, I think. his defensive contributions fine today. I don't see much problem. I mean, can't. He's, he's obviously not going to be the same as Hoiberg, but he then he can't be. I mean, he has to deliver the other part of his game as well. I just, he's not like Matt Latissier just cruising around in midfield mm. not doing much,
1: is he? I think he works quite hard. I, I agree with that selection. I think that's, um, I think that's our best three. One thing I would be interested in seeing is Undumbella uh, at the base of that three. So you've got a ball playing, deep sitting midfielder, and then two. Harriers harassing and closing down and pressing in front of them. Um, so you get the turnovers, you can get quick balls, but also you've got someone to take the ball off defense. I'm not sure it's what Nuno's going to do, so maybe that's why we have to. Do, uh, exclude this from that but I, I think it would be a really interesting selection and I think if Ndombele was on his game and pinging balls around and being able to receive the ball under pressure roll his man get past them carry the ball upfield it would be really exciting
0: it is okay Milo um, you can have this thought in you will have a minute of your own to express this as well it is uh, something that can work if we want to compete
1: what's Eric Kenton I got to do with this
2: I don't know it's a kind of I was trying to
0: <laughs> I'm trying to decipher that.
1: So, so, so all I heard was something about sardines and trawlers. I'm not quite sure what all that was about. And trawlers, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my god, the, the, oh, the love, the love is not happening for me and my wonderful array of accents today. That I said I wouldn't <laughs> unveil, but I am. I was just going to
2: counter what my just a counterpoint to what Milo was saying. I mean, the only problem with that, I mean, I like the idea of that. If and Dembele at the base there, it is that Romero goes wandering. Mm. I wouldn't trust Dembele to be the one like spotting that that's happened and then like filling in maybe if he had to When Hoiberg, that's
0: just true. kind of on red that's alert for all that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah, I agree. But well, we're all agreed. I think that uh, what we're currently settling on, it feels to me, is that we're settling on Delhi where he's been playing uh, and we're settling on Pierre making the switch to the deep space and we're switching on Tongi, uh to the other side. So that's the three.
1: Something we might see develop as the season goes on. I've mentioned it already, but Brian in Delhi's position might be something we see as the season goes on.
0: I do not believe Nuno would do that, and let me—I'll explain to you why I think that Nuno really, first and foremost, wants the work rate to be etc. And Delhi covers more yards, and I think that that's the statistic that's appealing to him the most. I like your I, idea. I agree with that,
1: but it is something he's done. He's done it a couple of games now, so we've seen it twice, and. You know, maybe it's something if Untembele if falls out of favour and he's got someone more hard-working on that side, then maybe that might be something that happens. I don't know.
0: He's definitely been seduced by Delhi's work rate and effort, though, hasn't he? And, and quite and,
1: rightly, he's been very good.
0: And uh, now we move to... You know, the forwards, it seems as though they probably picked... Well, two of the forwards picked themselves. I mean, let's just agree that Kane and Son picked themselves when fit. Yeah. So now we're just looking at the third option. And again, I think we're probably down to two players, given Nuno's preferences. Am I correct?
1: I think so. And I think Nuno prefers Bergwin. It, when they've both been fit, it's who's picked. I think Bergwin is um, a bit more disciplined. Um, I think probably follows instructions better and he's got better vision. Mora is a real threat running from deep. He's a great option to have in the squad, but I think Nuno prefers Bergwin. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's really not any... I I can't add anything to that at all. I think that's good. That's our side. Do you think that... A fully fit Nuno side and indeed a fully fit squad has enough of the type of creativity that Nuno is seeking to inflict damage this season.
2: Um, well, it depends what your thoughts are on how creative you think Nuno mm-hmm. seems want to be. Because so I know you, Milo, were a, a bit concerned about. I mean, if we're playing in the kind of Liverpool way where we play through midfield, but in a powerful kind of way rather than a you Know a kind of intricate kind of way, then it's usually a lot of the burden then goes less on the creativity but Mm. um on the front three to provide goals. So
0: I'm using create, I'm using creativity as a loose term. I mean, that that would be Nuno's Mm. version of creativity is kind of what I'm saying.
1: I mean, I, I think Ndombele's performances this week have probably clouded this. And I think if we were recording this a week ago, I'm not sure we all would have picked him in terms of what Nuno wants. I think Ndombele. I mean obviously he's gonna have to be at the last ninety minutes. He's probably going to have to play at a higher intensity, I think. There's going to have to be, he's going to have to step up from this a bit. He's, he's been good this last week, but he's going to have to step up a bit. And then the obvious area, other area of improvement we're going to need to see if this is going to be an effective Nuno team is the fullbacks have got to get a lot better because we're not creating chances down the flanks. I thought in the game against Chelsea today, um, I noticed that uh, Reggie got forwards and he, he was in a very advanced position, looked across, no one there, passed back. This is a concern, and I think so much of uh, Nuno's plan or game plan is about keeping it tight in central midfield, pressing the team, denying them space... And then using the width to get forwards, get early balls into the forwards, and we're not creating chances. And a lot of that is down to how our fullbacks are playing.
0: And by proxy, maybe if you're saying that they're getting up there and they're looking across and there's nobody there, it's also the speed with which our attack is moving, or not, as the case may be. I mean, maybe our forwards are simply not... I mean, maybe Harry's treacle is, is precluding him from getting into those positions. Early enough, I don't know.
1: I think with Palace, you can give it a bit of a pass because it was scratch side, yeah, but but, sure. but it's been an issue all season.
0: But in general, it's probably the one problem, right? That we, it's probably the one conundrum that, that I do see. And I know that Harry has this traditional, you know. Uh, time of being, shall we say, um, a little slower than usual, Mm. a little more lead-legged. And look, again, I think that nobody gets battered more than this guy. I mean, physically, Mm. in terms of football matches, he gets battered and and, and bruised and so on. But it is an issue, Mm. isn't it? Uh, You know, his style versus what we're looking to do, and it's how to make it work.
1: If, If we are agreeing that Liverpool is a template here, Klopp's Liverpool is a template, the difference in quality of full-backs is marked. And, um, you know, unless we can get fullbacks or get our fullbacks to that level, we're not going to kind of we're not going to reach their levels. Yeah, yeah.
2: and alternatively, we yeah. have to find another way. Yeah, as in, would change style, change formation.
1: Ondembele or... might be that because Liverpool don't have an Ondembele in central midfield.
0: They don't, and I mean the irony is that we talk about Liverpool. Well, we are talking about Liverpool, and I think that we've all agreed for some time that that is a template that we've been looking to take on. I, I personally feel that even Potter is looking to do that early, and I think we talked this uh, a few pods ago. The irony is that Liverpool have addressed their number nine issue in terms of me they went and got Jodder, who was uh, a player that performed excellently in Nuno and uh, <laughs> that that you know Nuno really helped become the player that Liverpool paid all that mm. money for and 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 I somewhat wonder if that type of forward is is uh, you know systemically speak, going to be the long-term answer if we're going to continue to play this way? I mean, it, it is it is a question, I think, that, that is worth mm. asking because Harry is dropping into place. I mean, today, he was a fine example. It's exactly, you know, we talked about going up against young defenders, old defenders, so on. But at the end of the day, if you're looking to break quickly and you want people to be getting in there, he's obviously thought, well, Sonny's, Sonny's speed, he'll yeah. get there, he'll be fast.
1: I, I was wondering during the game today as to whether... Kane being deployed wide is um, could be a permanent or you know, the longer term future for him. And again, before we came on, we were talking about some of the strikers we were looking at in the summer. And I wonder if this was something that was being thought about there, playing a front three with Son Kane playing off another striker. Interesting,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, the thing is, I mean, if we are looking to rely on a front three, then we've got two two of the three that are way above yeah. many players in the league, so we've got kind of quite a head start there. We just need to either find them with the service or with the system, or but I don't know, it's, it's early days. I mean, we've got, I mean, realistically, so the the side we decided on there was basically the same as today's side, yeah. but Bergwin in for lacelso, So if everyone's fit, we've then still got lacelso Skip, Tanganga, Hill. More uh, Sanchez, Rodon, and Davis. I mean, there's probably others as well, but yeah. you know, lower down. So. I mean there's, there's options there if they're fully fit I mean obviously I know every team has injuries so
0: no, which is very very important and I think that is I think it's an excellent point to make uh, once again it's, it's every bit as much about who comes off the bench to replace those mm. key players in key places as Chelsea showed us today and, and I think you're absolutely right Ricky I think that when if you know you're never going to achieve maximum fitness but if we could even have 50% more fitness uh, in our squad and maybe 50% more time on the training pitch with the first 11 that started today I do think we are going to start seeing results and you do feel that it could be one of these things where we're going to absolutely batter some in the next few weeks uh, and it's going to open the floodgates because I felt that uh, and again we're drifting back somewhat into the game today and I'm sorry to do that uh, but it is pertinent to this, you know, Nuno team selection, I did feel, again, we're just on the precipice of confidence. You know, Mm. we are on the precipice of confidence sapping things away. And, you know, this is uh, bringing us, um, first of all, to the fact that we should revisit our Nuno selection in the new year and see how far off we are. And secondly, the fact that on Wednesday night, we visit for the second game, for the second time this season in our first uh, game in the Carabao Cup. And whether this is an opportunity for us to get some much needed confidence or do we take the approach of we have a bigger game ahead of it, and we really need to give our squad and our team a, a, a break and risk the wrath of the fans saying, "Whoa, you know, we should be going for every trophy that we can," and blah blah blah, and, and resting players. I a, mean, you know, how much of a priority should the League Cup be this season?
1: I think this is really difficult because results are forcing Nuno's hand a little bit here, and I think he'll probably get, he's probably going to get forced into playing a stronger side than he wants to. I think in our The best interest of our season is probably to put out a reserve side in this game and accept that Mm. falls turn up accept the consequences on this the league cup for me would be our fourth priority this season and the issues we've had with fitness and well (laughs) fitness (laughs) in injuries uh means that i Mm. would not want to be starting too many players who i'd want to start against arsenal at the yeah, I mean
2: that's that's my vibe as well. It's a bit, it's, it's a bit of an annoying draw, really, because Wolves. I mean, I'm not sure what position they're in, in the sense of who they're going to start. But um, you do get a tough game mm-hmm. up there. I mean, we've had one already this year, and I'm not saying the same eleven for them are going to start. But we could have done with a bit of a yeah. sweeter draw, so maybe we could have left a few out. But I think we should leave a few out. I mean, maybe the Romero's and the Celso's can play because I mean yeah. they spent ten days in Croatia, so they're probably quite suntanned and chilled, really. So, um, but uh, but at the same time, we can't risk any more. Injuries, so and we want to be primed and fully ready for
1: I'd the add big Royal into next that weekend. List as well. He, you know, he's only had a couple of games, so I think he needs to play yeah. his way in. So I'd include him. We've got a couple of uh, young players in Divine and uh, C who aren't in the European squad because they haven't been at the club long enough to um, be a freebie in, uh, as a youth player. So I'd have them in the squad because they're good players and they ought to be involved and it's just cruel that they can't be involved in Europe this year so we've got to use the the cups domestic cups to to give those them that experience and yeah other than that I think it's probably second stringers who are who are fit it's difficult to know who leads the line um who's you know presumably you're going to want to start one of Sun or Kane there but both of them look Shattered at the end today. Um, it's a big test if we start yeah. Scarlet, isn't it?
0: Well, I agree with everyone. I think that this should be strictly a run out for players in the squad who are trying to get more uh, match minutes and match experience under their belts. And for that reason, I would start with Scarlet leading the line, uh, and I would just take the flak. And uh, for all the you know the people listening, uh, you know trophy wankers or whatever, uh, you know, I think personally speaking, I can afford to live my life in this uh, pandemic. Era for one more year without the League Cup uh, coming to White Hart Lane, if it means that our season is going to mm. prosper. And right now, I think that everything that you guys have said is absolutely right. Um, and it does bring us to uh, the game uh, against the Goons uh, next Sunday at the Death Star. Those wankers. And if you uh, don't know this already, why are you listening? Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to be a little creative here. You know, we've just spent the better part of half an hour discussing uh, the selection that Nuno. will Make for a season, yeah. We have been Nuno Espirito Santos. Well, now, uh, in uh, specifically in context of this game against the Goons, uh, I'd like to hear who uh, manager Ricky would start and manager Milo would start. You've got one minute, any side from the squad we've got available, any formation, and no rebuttal. There can be no rebuttal. This is what you would do, so let's have it. <laughs> Milo, do you want to kick us off with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is difficult because you've got to bear in mind that, you know, we've been talking about limited time in the training field and all the rest of it. So, within that context, I wouldn't be changing much from today because. We need to play a settled side, so I think probably the only change I would be looking to make would be to bringing bringing in one of Mora or Bergwin for La Celso the rest would be the same as started today. You know, if if it was six months down the line, I'd probably be looking at something a bit different. But yeah, that's what I'd do for Sunday.
0: Yeah, give us give us that six months down the line just for fun. Let's have a little fun with it as well.
1: I really like Hill. I think he's he's got something about him. He's he's exciting. You know, he had a really good season in Spain last year. I'd like to see more of him and you know we've sp- i've spoken already you know about a couple of positions where he can play two or three positions within the side where he can play um so you know finding a way of getting him in would be great But yeah, no, I mean, for next Sunday, I think it's the same side as today, but with one of our speedsters replacing uh, La Celso.
2: Yeah, I think we have to be looking. I mean, if you've got a chance of consistency, we have to go for that. Um, Because at the start of the season, that's what served us well. But what you could say is the team we played today, and if we can play that next week, is... A sign of being consistent, but with a better quality squad, a better yep. quality starting eleven than what we started the season with, and, and shittier
1: yeah. opponents. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah.
0: Indeed. Well, I think I mean one thing that you've both uh, proven here is I think that you know our collective NES brain is, seems to be pretty much dead on, uh, and it you know, we we seem to be congruent with it ourselves, and I would agree with you. In terms of consistency, I I, I think it it should be roughly the same side. I am going to play fantasy a little bit and uh, go a bit ROM manager and have another formation that, you know, I wouldn't mind trying it out. And bear in mind, I haven't measured this up against the Odegaards and and the Sackers of this world and and how the the matchups have happened. This is just me picking a a shape and a side that I think would be kind of fun to see. I mean, I I think it would be fun to see a back three of Tanganga-Daiaru Romero, uh, midfield with a Royal, Heubier, and Dumbale and Reggie and then Bergwijn, Kane and Son. I mean essentially it's not mm. too different to what we've got but I like the idea of a 3-4-3 three, three, and I do love the idea of Tanganga Dyer and Romero together. I actually think I would probably try somehow and get Tanganga into the side next week um, but given if we go with a 4, it's going to be tough to make it work. If we go 4-3-3, three, three, it's not going to work.
1: If we're talking about the, our lack of creativity and Nuno wanting that to come from the fullbacks, that's not Jaffet
0: yeah well this is a whole other discussion I mean it's really a shame because I do see I mean I remember when Jaffet first came through those first couple of games and we all do he was actually able to get up and down that side and put in some great crosses
1: I don't deny that he can get up and down but it's it's just his first instinct isn't quite right his first instinct isn't to attack and I, th- I think he's a great option in the big games but the lot we're playing next weekend isn't a big game anymore.
2: It was a bit like you were saying last week, because he would have another tricky customer last week mm. if we'd have kept him at right back, and maybe that's why we should have done it. Because I think one on one this year he's proven a test for any and he's he's played he's played against quality players on that left hand side this year.
0: I think what we're concluding here is, and this is a reminder again to all the Wingers out there, the Wingy Wankers, being a football manager is not easy. Picking the best eleven is not easy. If you think it is why don't you apply for the job the next time, and why don't you see if you can do better? Other than that, let's just all enjoy the game as it is and appreciate that you know Nuno is working as hard as he can to get the results he can with what he has.
1: So, one thing I would say on this briefly is, I say we, we touched on the Wolves game um, and playing a, a second string there, but I really do think that um, the eleven that started the start next Sunday, if they can have the week together on the training ground practicing together and getting used to each other we'd really see the benefit of that because they've never done that they've had one session together so if we could split the if we could split the squad into two and have one side preparing for for wednesday and uh, one side preparing for sunday i think that would be a real boost i think people i think this goes right back to the start i just I just came into the thought in my head people literally do
2: make their whole kind of thoughts up on the 90 minutes they see on the day none of that kind of
0: context goes on behind it's just that's the reactionary kind of thing that's why we're here <laughs> it's just that's why we're here hopefully we've helped remind people that context needs to be applied in all situations especially in football and especially with situations as dynamic as they are right now in a covid era um and especially in situations as dynamic as they are within our club and have been since the summer so i th- I, I agree with you but let's just hope that everyone can get on board with it i'm not going to hold my breath but i'm certainly not going to stop trying to to get people to see it i think i agree with you uh milo that you know if this side can get that that valuable week to work together uh, next Sunday, should be um, exactly what it needs to be. I mean, all jokes aside, yes, they are not a great side, the Goons. But, you know, we need this win. Uh, uh, for more reasons than just the fact it's those wankers. We need this win. And let's hope that Nuno can get a quiet week. Let's hope that the week that was next pod is two minutes long. And let's hope that we are celebrating a victory over those tossers at the Death Star. Uh, with that, uh, let's bring this uh, lively and uh, full of context and uh, patience chat to a close. Uh, thanks, lads. It was Joseph. a lot of fun. Cheers, As you might have guessed, detectives out there will be back next week with a look back at our games against Wolves and them. Meanwhile, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow, say hello. If you like what you hear, have a dig through the old archives and hear all the wonderful stuff that there is that will delight your ears. If you've listened this far, gosh, you must really like the pod. So we'd appreciate it in return if you would tell all your friends on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram about this, despite the fact I've just spent the better part of an hour moaning about Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. However, being the wonderful football hypocrite I am, it really helps us when you say nice things about us on these mediums. So go on, give it a shot, get out there, write your good stuff, say your good things about us. Uh, And again, those reviews and the Apple podcast site are really helpful too. So please keep those coming. As always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.